Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a program about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown, and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers, and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms, and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Sarah Gilmartin, an arts journalist, short story writer, and playwright. Her work has been shortlisted for the Shauna Foylon Short Story Award, the RTE Frances McManus Short Story Award and Hennessy New Irish Writing. And her story, The Wife, won the 2020 Martine Crawford Award at the Belfast Book Festival. She's co-edited the Stinging Fly Stories Anthology and has won the Best Playwright Award at the Short and Sweet Dublin Festival. Sarah did English and German in Trinity, followed by an MA in Journalism from DCU and more recently a Master's in Fine Arts from UCD. And she's just written her first novel. It's called Dinner Party, A Tragedy, and we'll chat about that shortly. But Sarah, until recently, you were reviewing debut fiction for the Irish Times every week. But you've actually just given that role up. Why? Uh, I gave it up when I knew that my own novel was going to be coming out. Uh, so I, there, there was qu- there's quite a long lead in time in publishing in general from when you get the, the deal to when the book comes out. So I had just over a year. So I had a lot of time to think about it. I was reluctant initially to give up my gig in the Irish Times because I've really enjoyed it. I've done it for seven or eight years. And it's been great to see the amount of the, the amount, but also the variety in Irish fiction that's been coming out. So However, uh, I had to think about it and I just felt a bit weird that, you know, my own novel was coming out. I was now going to be an Irish debut writer and I didn't like the idea of, you know, even sitting on panels with my peers, which have happened, which has happened over the last few weeks. And, you know, having having reviewed their work in a critical way, as opposed to just as a reader or fellow writer, um, which, uh, in my opinion, is far more enjoyable or it has been so far. And how many books do you think, how many debuts do you think you've reviewed over the time? <laughs> I think I'm getting up to, because um, I, I, I have a list, we keep track of these things, um, about 400. Really? Wow. But I, I suppose not, obviously not all of them are Irish. So my, my brief also um, encompassed international fiction and also every so often it wouldn't have been a debut. And since March, when I gave up doing Irish debuts, um, there's been a lot more kind of, I'm, I'm still doing a review a week for the Irish Times, but it's more established writers. So there's probably a mix in that, but I'd say three quarters of them are uh, of those 400 would have been debuts. And what sort of criteria then? We're just interested, obviously, in terms of how sort of book reviewers decide nearly which book to review. You get so many sent into you. How do you decide? Uh, it there, there is. And, you know, it's, it's always a tough thing to do because there are far more book slots uh, per per week. I, you know, for me in particular, I would just have one book per week. I know it's different if you have a column and maybe, you know, you review four or five books a week. So, you go through the briefs, you look through the publicity, the press releases, um, you have an idea of what it is you might be interested in. Also, I like to do kind of a mix of different novels. So if I've done two or three of the same novels, I might look to do something a little bit different because you're or you're always or you should always be thinking of the reader of the paper as well. So what, what is it that they're going to be interested in and how, how best might you... Um, might you help them and obviously different age groups as well I'd say was there quite a lot yeah there's I mean there's a huge variety even looking at Irish fiction and Irish debuts over the last six or seven years different genres different ages uh, I think that sometimes uh, people have this idea of you know a debut writer as uh, someone in their 20s or you know that kind of 
straight out of college uh, remarkable story that you know an amazing writer turns around a great book and obviously there have been examples of that but really you know there's a mix writers in their 20s 30s 40s 50s a uh, good few this year actually which I think is we've, interesting and we've seen that actually there seems to have been an awful lot in certainly in Ireland mm-hmm. over the past 12 months uh, people who say they've come to, to writing late as such but it's brilliant to see such a wealth of talent yeah and I think it's great for both for readers but also the writing community in Ireland uh, to see different ages doing so if you think of writers like just this year alone, Louise Kennedy, Una Mannion, Stephen Walsh are a few that come to mind um, that, you know, are that little bit older uh, to have their first, uh, whether it's short story collection or a novel to come out. And it's great because it encourages other people that, you know, may have always felt, you know, they wanted to write, but they've left it too late in life uh, to, you know, that you can do it at any age. And actually, now that I say that, uh, a debut I remember from a couple of years ago was um, from Norma McMaster. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe the title was Silence from a Stone uh, but she was in her 80s when she wrote her debut wow. novel and uh, yeah, Penguin Ireland published it so that's that's pretty impressive. And in terms of, of writing the content then I mean how far in advance did you have to stockpile content? In, in terms of the, the of reviews? Of the column itself yeah. Uh, starting off um, I would have had uh, very few because obviously you know you're you're kind of just working to deadline but they did give me maybe a lead in time of about a month so I got to have two or three uh, done but as as time goes on you know I, I can read quite quickly um, sometimes I'll read a novel twice actually really? if there's yeah if it's particularly if it's something that um, if, if it's a book that I don't um, that, that I didn't feel worked, that whatever the author was trying to do or achieve in the book, which is how it, one way that you can look at reviewing, if it didn't work, uh, I'll go back and see, well, is this my own subjective experience? And is that because you want to be fair to the author? Oh, completely, yeah. And sometimes, uh, you know, on, on the flip side of that, uh, sometimes I'll read a book twice because I really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I just kind of want to go back and appreciate it more as a reader rather than with my you know, mechanical or critical. Uh, And what happens if you do read it and you're not mad about it? I mean, how do you, do you have to sanitise your content or would you sometimes maybe not do the review then? Uh, Occasionally it would happen. So going back to what you said earlier about you know, you might have five, ten, twenty, depending on what what time of year it is. Uh, you might have a, a vast amount of books for a column, uh, for for just one column. And sometimes, you know, you might start one book and think, okay, you know, this this could really be a goer, and get to maybe about a third of it and realise actually it's not great. And rather than giving a really negative review to somebody that nobody has ever heard of, um, you then move on and you have a look and see can you find a better book. And you've read, as you said, well, you've probably read more than the 400, but you've reviewed 400. So what did you learn about writing a good debut novel? Like what little gems are there? Uh, I suppose the old one or the the one that everyone kind of tells you and you certainly learn in creative writing school or classes is, you know, show, don't tell. So too much tell um, can kill a novel dead. Uh, One thing that I learned uh, also is it's important to get to know the character uh, in terms of what they do and their actions and, you know, what they're about before you immediately tell them or or tell the reader, like the contents of the character's mind in the same way that, say, I met you and I didn't know you at all. And you said, hi, I'm Brida. Uh, Let me tell you all of the bad things that have happened to me in my life. (laughs) It would be difficult to relate to immediately because I don't know you. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if we spent a few weeks together, a few months together, that changes. And I think it's a interesting way to look at fictional characters that you know the reader needs to know them before they care about you know what's happened to them and also the the inner workings of their mind. So how much of that then did you take on board for your (laughs) own debut novel? (laughs) Uh, I mean they are you know it's very easy to kind of they're two different disciplines and it's easy to analyse a novel in in one respect that's not yours it's completely um, 
it's a completely different thing to look at your own work and be able to do that same um, critical analysis uh, in find you know in fact it's very difficult because you don't have the distance um, were you more critical of yourself then at times uh, particularly starting out uh, you know I would have started stuff especially with the short stories and not really gotten past you know first paragraphs uh, because I'm so hung up on you know whatever is going on in the first paragraph or, or the introduction and similar uh, sim- similarly uh, with first pages of novels I think uh I, I sometimes struggle with it and uh, writers in general can and a writer that I know she's said uh, three or four books out at this stage she gave me a really good piece of advice she said don't get hung up on the first page because more often than not when you come back and you finished your full draft you can actually cut the first page and sometimes you or know, rewrite it yeah uh, and she uh, yeah or rewrite it but often what's on the first page you know if you just start three or four paragraphs later um, the reader has everything that they need. And you said as well that, you know, obviously we said at the start, you've written loads of short stories and plays, obviously very short form writing. Mm-hmm. When did you decide then you did want to try your hand at a novel? Well, this is not my first novel. Oh, no. Right. So what I have there. <laughs> I have another. I, I wrote another novel in that, you know, and when I say I wrote another novel, I finished it. I got to, you know, the end of the first draft and you know, probably what the end of what I thought was a second draft, but may have needed a little bit more work. But, you know, I finished a book in around 2015. It was set in a in a girls boarding school. And that book got me an agent who I'm still with now. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't find a publisher. So that was, you know, an interesting process uh, to see how that works. The starter book, as they call it. The starter book. And by interesting, I mean devastating at times. But, uh, you know, you do also learn from those kind of things. And is there anything in that that can be rescued? Uh, I have a I have a thing about going back to stuff, mm. especially if it hasn't you know worked or I feel like it hasn't worked. I find it very difficult to kind of go back in there and pick pick through through something like that. Maybe I mean there was there was a couple of very near misses with it, so possibly there's still something in there. But I feel at the moment I've moved beyond it. So, so when you made the start then on your first novel, which mm-hmm. is actually your second novel, um, how long did it take then from start to finish? Uh, the novel started out, Dinner Party started out as a short story and it wasn't quite working. Uh, there was something, you know, the, the the form of the short story was too small or too short mm. for the themes and the subjects and the characters that were in the story. And it took me a while to figure that out. And I actually didn't figure it out myself at all. Uh, Claire Keegan helped me to kind of see it. by I went to a weekend writing workshop with her in Carlo. And which is where the book is set, actually, and, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and that is not, you know, that you, you know, one of the the strange things about writing, or one of the magical things about writing, I suppose, is that you know things like that do happen, those kind of coincidences, and they affect your writing, not consciously even. You know, I didn't consciously set out to write a book in Carlo, but it certainly played a part. Um, so yeah, she uh, did a weekend writing workshop with Claire, and she saw something in the story, encouraged me to go on. And from there, I made a very rash and quick decision to go back and do an MFA in UCD in 2018, 2019. Um, so rash and quick that I think the programme had actually started or really? it was underway <laughs> whenever I joined. Uh, but I'm really, really happy that I did it. It was a great programme, um, some brilliant teachers. It's, uh, the Creative Writing School out there is excellent. It's led by Paul Perry and they have amazing teachers on it and I got to know you know lots of other people who were also in a similar boat uh, trying to write their first novels or stories or there were some poets as well and that kind of um, network is really important I think when you're 
starting out. And it obviously then gave you a bit of structure, maybe better structure to work with, did mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I mean, there was kind of a joke for a while, though, that for the whole first term of the MFA up until Christmas, really, I only had this one story on the go and I wasn't really growing it. And I kept getting away with it somehow because I think you only had to have maybe 1500 words to show the end of every week. And we had a couple of different teachers. So I was just continually showing. Were you just adding to the story every time? (laughs) Not really. No, it was just it was still the same 3000 words. But I knew ultimately that I was going to have to grow it into a 55000 word project because that was what was uh, required for the MFA to get the qualification at the end of the year. So at, I think I gave myself a good talking to around Christmas time and said, right, you know, you're going to have to speed up here a little get bit. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And when I came back after Christmas, um, something had clicked or something had changed. And that's when I started to kind of go into the past in, and suddenly Carlo came up as a location that I would never have dreamed of. Before. But sometimes it does take a while for stories like that to percolate and mm-hmm. for it to sort of manifest itself and create itself properly in your imagination before you can continue it. Yeah, and also... I I mean, for me, it's important to have a rough idea of structure before I start. I like to have an idea of where it's going. I don't need to know, you know, what the end is going to be. And I know some writers do. I actually just read for um, review Anne Patchett, the American writer. Mm -hmm. She has a new collection of essays out um, called These Precious Days. It's brilliant. It's out next month. And one of the essay in one of the essays, she's talking about writing and her writing process. And she says before she begins a book, she has to know how it finishes everything. Um, knows where it's going which I find really interesting because most things that I've written including short stories you know I'm writing with an idea of structure but I don't have a clue where it's going and I quite like that because you know you're 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 surprised as a writer as well as um as well as something else. And that's what I love about talking to authors and inside books because we've had so many who've said they have to know what the end is mm-hmm. and they do it step by step and they have their little post-it notes all over the place. Others just sit down every day and see where the writing takes them. So yeah. it really just depends on what works for you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm de- I definitely lean more towards the second one, but I have to say I would love to be in the first category because <laughs> I have this idea that it just must be, e- and you know, probably my idea is mad, but I have an idea that it's easier if you know if you know the steps, at, at least you've got a plan and you can't veer off course. But for some reason, I can never really uh, do that. And in terms of the book as well, what I really liked was you were, there was a lot of flashbacks, obviously. You're mm-hmm. talking about the past um, and then you're talking about now and we start putting the story together as we as we go forward. How did you find working with that? Was that hard? Not really. Um, and again, it was interesting because because I just started out with this story set in Dublin um, of you know, the narrator is a woman in her 30s. Her name's Kate. I really only knew that small world, you know, the night of the dinner party in Dublin. I knew she had a couple of siblings and I knew that she had an eating disorder. And beyond that, I didn't really know anything about her at all. So it was a process of discovery. And I found that really interesting to go back into the past, to kind of say, well, you know, how did she get to this point in her life in her 30s? Um, and then I so I went back to when she was a teenager and then I moved it to when she's in college. She goes to Trinity in college and then slowly I catch up with the current uh, narrative, which is um, set in 2018-2019. And it's a classic sort of family saga. I mean, mm-hmm. what I loved as well is that I just found the the relationship between the siblings and their relationship with their parents, I suppose maybe because I come from a large family, but I found it really realistic, actually. Excellent. <laughs> That's what I mean. And where, you know, was that from drawn from your own experience? The family in the book um, is nothing like my family at all. But obviously, you know, uh, observations on how families can interact. Mm -hmm. Certainly, you know, I would draw from my own experiences, from the experiences of my friends. Also, probably from, you know, the experiences of 
the millions or the thousands of characters I've come across uh, in the course of my career as a reviewer and reading so many books. I think that's um, I think that's a part of um, it's a part of the the process that doesn't really get talked about that much. But I definitely draw on, you know, what I've seen in other books quite a bit or, or they stay with me in some way. I, I metabolize them and that can come back out. But in terms of the specific family in the book, the Gleasons, uh, they're, you know, it's a farming family. There's four children in it. Uh, they're very much rural, but um, they're, they're quite wealthy and they are... I, there's two brothers and then there's two twin sisters as well. And I was always interested in that kind of bigger family because my own family, I, I have one brother, he's a couple of years younger than me. And we lived not really in a rural location, just about 15 or 20 minutes outside Limerick. So I wanted that. I, I wanted to explore what it would be like to be in a different family. God, I have five brothers. Do no, you? No sisters. <laughs> and I'm just going, the stories I could tell. I should write a memoir nearly at this point. But but in terms then of getting, you know, obviously you were doing the, the, the writing, you were doing the course in, mm-hmm. in UCD. How did you go about getting published then? Um, so I had the agent from 2015, uh, Sally Ann Sweeney is my agent uh, in Mulcahy Creative. And it was through her basically so she was my first port of call I she knew that I was doing the MFA uh, I finished the MFA with like half a, half a first draft so I went away and finished the first draft and then I went back and redrafted it again with actually the help of an Arts Council grant in 2020 at the start of 2020 And how long does redrafting take? Oh <laughs> <laughs> Everybody seems to hate it but uh, yeah exactly Well it is it's that feeling of going back it, it, redrafting is interesting because you're going back and in, in one respect you know, it's it, it's a positive thing because you're going back to make something better. But in another way, you're also going back to look at, you know, what has not worked. And that can be difficult if you're not ready for it or if you're not prepared to kind of, you know, see it. If, if you think everything has actually worked on the page. Um, I've forgotten the question. Then. What's your <laughs> I was going to say, in terms of getting published then. So Sally-Anne obviously was mm-hmm. your conduit then to, to moving along to getting published. Yeah, so she would have read when, when I had gotten to the stage where I had a draft that I was happy with. She would have read that, um, probably given me a bit of feedback on that. Uh, I would go and work on that too. And then we went out to various publishers with it or she did. So did you get much rejection or do they snap it up straight away? Uh, definitely some rejection. <laughs> and I think that's important to say because, you know, Generally, in the media, you only see the headlines of, mm. oh, you know, so-and-so, here's the bookseller news, uh, someone's got a publishing deal, it's great, and here are all the reviews and whatever. But there's a whole load of rejection along the way, and every writer gets it, or most writers get it, I would say. And did you get feedback with the rejection? Yeah, and you know, mainly with this one, there was a there was a lot of, uh, we nearly took it, but we didn't take it. So there wasn't a lot of feedback um, Mm -hmm. with that because actually they really liked the book. And then there was a couple of publishers that were very interested in it. So it was nice to have that too. And how did you find that process then of working with the publisher and and getting it, getting it out there? It was good. Uh, So the publisher, my publisher Pushkin, who took it on, uh, Laura McCauley is my editor. Um, She was brilliant to work with, very clear, right from the first phone call. So she would have told Sally-Ann that she would have been interested in the book and then we had a big long chat because it was in 2020 so that that's all you could have there was no you know travelling to meet or You, you know. missed out on all the fun parts Yeah a little <laughs> bit um, but from right from that very first phone call I felt like she understood the book she got the book we were even you know there was a couple of things that she felt I needed to work on or we, we needed to work on and there were things that I had been thinking about myself so it wasn't like I thought mm, you mm-hmm. know th- this isn't going to work I felt we were 
on the same page to use that pun. So the book is out. Mm-hmm. The reviews are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, given your previous role <laughs> as, a, as a reviewer, um, have you read them? I have. One of my friends in the MFA, Nidhi uh, Zakaria EP, she's a poet and her collection came out from Faber in July, so a couple of months before my book. And she has, and I don't know, she has done this and she's stuck to it and I don't know how. She just said, I'm not going to read reviews. Um, they, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let them be out there in the ether and get on with my writing and continue to do so. And I think... Fair play to her. I, absolutely. <laughs> I actually think it's, it's a great way to do it. And I, I, you know, I said to myself, I was like, right, can I do this? And I have failed miserably <laughs> at it. I think curiosity would get the better of us. You know? I, yeah. Having said that, I've stayed away from online reviews. So things like Goodreads, Amazon, because there's a lot out there, mm-hmm, you know, there are, yeah. um, that usent, you know, writers of 10, 20 years ago didn't have this problem where there's a constant feed. If, if you want to search for it, of people commenting on your book or deciding on your book. So I have stayed away from that because I just feel you can get dragged into it. And, you know, even if they're really positive, you know, so what in a way? There's, it's just too much, um, too much noise when you're trying to focus on your writing. However, with the mainstream media reviews, I absolutely uh, did buy the papers on the day that I knew that we're going to be in and them and read it. Were you, were you happy? Uh, yes, uh, very happy, actually. And it was really good to get, uh, the Sunday Times Ireland was the first review and it was really positive and to to get a good one to get a very good one straight or straight off the back mm. kind of gave me it, it quelled the nerves a little bit I think if the first one hadn't been great I would have been a lot more nervous but once it's you also get also a confidence booster as well I imagine completely yeah. and that day that that one came out I was going to England to talk at a booksellers conference so the booksellers association so I you know I was worried you know if it hadn't been good <laughs> uh, uh, that, that speech might not have gone very well but thankfully it was so now that you understand right the I suppose the energy the time the angst everything that goes in to writing a mm-hmm. book and getting mm-hmm. it on the shelves. Yes. Is that going to influence <laughs> how you review books from now on? I think you have to separate them. They're two very different disciplines. And, you know, before I wrote the novel, I was tapping away at short stories for a good few years as well. So really, maybe not the first year or so when I was reviewing, going back about eight years. But beyond that, I was also on the side trying to write fiction myself. So I've always had an awareness of how hard it is, how difficult it is, how it's an achievement in and of itself to get a book published. So ignore the reviewers in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You're doing yourself out of a job there. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, and I mean, I think that is important to say sometimes because, you know, it is after all, you know, I'm only one person. It's only one person's you know, viewpoint, mm-hmm. hopefully objective and critically correct viewpoint but there's no point getting stuck or caught up on I think one review or two reviews uh, you know read them if there's something in them that are that that is a benefit to you as a writer take it if there isn't you know move on get past it and rise above it nearly, yeah, as you completely. say so what are you working on at the moment I am working on uh, a new novel. It's called, well, the working title is called Service, but I don't know if that will stay. Right. So I wrote a short story in 2020 called The Wife um, that won a competition in Belfast. And that story was uh, set in the restaurant world. Uh, Michelin, a Michelin starred chef is up on sexual assault charges Um his employees have brought him to court basically so the fairly reductive tagline is me too set in the restaurant world but I'm, I'm trying to grow that story so this the story was from the perspective of his wife and uh, the novel will be from multiple perspectives interesting there's a hook mm-hmm. we'll all be we'll all be watching that and how much of it have you got written at this point 
I would say, I mean, it's hard to quantify, but I would say I'm halfway through maybe. Mm-hmm. And is it going okay? It's going very well. And how do you structure your writing time then? Again, because you do, you lecture as well and features journalism. You do lots of other stuff. So is it, do you carve out specific time that works for you? I tend to like to write in the morning. Uh, I mean, I can write whenever I can grab an hour, but uh, I write, I think I write my best uh, when I'm writing in the morning. So up straight away have some breakfast, have some coffee and then try and get into it. Don't go near the internet is my <laughs> yes, other... stay away. Exactly. Which is a lot more difficult to do now that, you know, the internet follows us around on our phone in our pockets all the time. But, I, yeah, I try and stay away from the internet and try and do at least, you know, two hours of writing in the morning. And then, if it's going really well, I might continue it. And if it's not, I am delighted to switch over and to le- And work. leave it. And also, you got, you know, with the second book as well, which you're working on at the moment, you got an Arts Council grant for that. Mm-hmm. How helpful was that? Really, really helpful. And actually, you mentioned uh, features that I lecture in features journalism. I do that in DCU, but I've actually taken the first term off uh, this year because because of the Arts Council grant. Um, you know, it's let me do that. So Great. I have a bit more time just to focus because, you know, anyone who works as a freelancer will tell you you're always hopping from one thing to the next. And that can be quite counterproductive to trying to get into a deep frame of mind when uh, when you're writing fiction. Absolutely. Hugely, hugely beneficial. And before I let you go, what about the short stories? Are you still going to write those? (laughs) I am. I'm actually working on a new one for the Dublin Review at the moment. And I have one that's going to be published. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but it's going to be in the next issue of The Tangerine, the winter issue of The Tangerine. So still tipping away. We love a good exclusive here on Inside (laughs) Books. Sarah Gilmartin, thank you for joining us on Inside Books. And you'll find Dinner Party at Tragedy online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production. 